Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Wow, praise the Lord. That was good, huh? Is that good, huh? Now, I'm really excited because we are, I'm we, we taking this one. See if this one works okay. I'm pretty excited about, it's been a long time coming. We started this whole launch process uh, in June, I think it was. We've been talking about it for a long, long time, but uh, a lot of different ways of how we're going to do it. But I'm excited that we're actually getting there. About Saturday night, I'm excited about Saturday night, aren't you? Hey, let me just show you uh, this slide right here. That's, uh, that's at uh, Richmond and Horton. That's right now, that, that is showing up at Richmond and Horton. And I got stuck at the light there. And, in the, and while I was sitting there, I saw it twice. You saw it too, Deb, didn't you see it? It's good. So I know I went, I've been driving that way intentionally because I just want to see it now, you know. But, but it was really busy. I, I was amazed how busy it is in the mornings coming in. Like, I mean, I'm not going that way anymore. But because it's really, really busy. But I kind of thought if that's where the sign is, that's a good place to be. Yesterday, every single person in London who gets the free press got the flyer that's in your bulletin. So every person... Every, it was like over 18,000 people got that flyer yesterday, so, so that's good. Amen. So we got a few more flyers that you can hand out, and that's kind of why back in June we set up this little two-part series in between our conference, which last week was the conference nuts, crazy good, or what? I mean, oh my, my. It was just on time. It just really, really touched my life in a big way. I didn't think Greg wanted to leave, though. I really, I took him to the airport and said, get out. You got to go. He really just, just fell in love with you folks and, and just this fellowship. And he was really actually, both of them were kind of like, you guys are like Pentecostal charismatic folks. And they say, we're not, usually not welcome in those circles, but you guys are really awesome. So I think you are awesome, too. And I think the culture we have here is intentional on purpose. And it's really beautiful. So, but look, we're we're dragging these folks, dragging these folks, dragging, drag them if you have to. But you know, Saturday night we just want to open the door in a different way. And I got, I know there's a bunch of people in this church that are grateful for it too. Because how many know Sundays isn't just that day that it used to be where everybody paused and stopped in culture. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of demands. A lot of things that have popped up on Sundays now for a lot of people. So uh, we know it's going to serve the community. And we are on the outset. I know the first Sunday night we just did the practice. We did the practice a few weeks ago, and we had a, a new family showed up at our practice. A, a couple with five children showed up at our practice. We had 14 kids in, in kids' church, a couple in the nursery. We had 66 folks in our practice service, and of the 60... That was, of the 66 folks, 43 of them were back in church on Sunday morning. How awesome was that? I thought it was pretty great. So we, we really kind of are, for the first little while, asking everybody just, to, that's why we're doing this imagine I'm in thing. And can you imagine two services that are just really packed with people that are being touched, that are experiencing freedom, experiencing the goodness of God? And, you know, I really believe, I, I really like it when, when you have objective outside people who minister and go a lot of places, and they come into your house, and they say, didn't you decorate nicely? It smells good. I love the way you did the mantle. You know what I mean? is when they walk in and they smell the spiritual climate of who we are. And these are people who go all over the place and they say, like, I really enjoy what's going on here. 
And you know, what we're doing is intentional and what we're doing is significant. And I think a lot more people need to experience it. And that's why we want to open up the doors on another occasion and just push a little more because we want to see more people experience the goodness of God and freedom of God. Amen. So we're, we're in a bit of a push together. Amen. So aren't you glad there's some people that are really going to embrace that? <laughs> we need y'all to embrace it. We need all your help. So we are asking you to get involved just a little more. Just a little season of just a little more. You know what I mean? All right, praise Jesus. All right, so that's the picture of the bull, bull, billboard. Give you the quote by Chris Vallotton again. All right, vision. Vision gives pain a purpose. Pain. My wife was like, pain? What do you mean it's not painful? I go, oh, come on, it is painful. I got Penn State playing Ohio State next Saturday night. And then I'm going to have to PVR that. I won't be able to watch it live. I got to be here in church. You know, you don't know pain. But, you know, sometimes when you're pushing a little bit, how many of you went to university, you got a degree? How many did that? Cost you some money. Sometimes you even go in debt for it. You do things. But, but you know, sometimes it means when other people are doing things, they call you and say, hey, you want to come and do this? And you go like, I really do want to do that. But you know what? I really want to get my degree and I really want to do well. So in anything you do, if you got, you got people say, I want to be a great guitar player. Well, that means, you know what? You're going to have to sit and spend time playing your guitar. It means you're going to have to sacrifice some other things because you want to do that well. And so in this season, we're saying we want to launch something. We want to launch it well. We don't want Saturday night to be weak or Sunday morning to be weak. We want them both to be strongly supported. And we're going to invite, we've literally straight up, we have literally put billboards up, flyers out, all kinds of things out. We, we got 30,000 Papa John menus with uh, our, our uh, little invitation in it. Papa John's. How many love Papa John's? How many have never had Papa John's? I hadn't had it until just a couple weeks ago. It was pretty good. So I thought I better, I better have some if we're going to put our name on the menu. You know what I mean? Like, so anyways. So we are inviting people to come experience this culture, who we are, and meet the beautiful Jesus that we serve and how incredible he is. And so uh, when you have a guest come to your house, how many of you check out what food do they like? Uh, you know, what are they, what's interests them? You, you try to find something about them. And when they're a guest, you go out of your way for your guests. Is that right? Well, I don't care about the people out there. I don't give a rip. My church come when I want. We're, we're asking London to be our guest. And because of that, we're, we're just going to, we're going to step out a little bit. We're going to step out a little bit just to make it special for them. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. Vision gives pain a purpose. Those without a vision spend their lives taking the path of least resistance as they try to avoid discomfort. The level of sacrifice that a vision requires will determine the size of the people who follow it. And sometimes as a leader, I'm always thinking, man, we don't want to put a burden on people. We got to be careful, you know. If we got too much in our programs, we impinge on people's lives and we're asking too much of them. The level of sacrifice the vision requires to determine the size of people who will follow. Sacrifice separates the small from the great. And, you know, for us to do something, if I believe that what we're doing here is significant, let's, to make it a little more significant, sometimes there's little seasons where we've got to push together a little bit more. Is that okay? I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just telling you that I think that's really okay. I really do. And I think it's, it's worth pushing a little bit more right now. Numbers 10, 29 to 31. Last week we talked about Moses and he told his father-in-law, come with us. 
said, man, you got to come with us. And at first he said, no, I'm going home. And he went, no, please come with us. And, and I'm asking you to, you know, people may say no. People may turn you down. People may say, I don't ask him again. I mean, are you praying for somebody right now who needs Jesus? I am. I'm praying for a, a couple on our street and we're looking for opportunities. First of all, to get to know them a little bit and interact with them before I say, hey, come to church, you know. And, and but I believe there's a hunger there. I believe there's something God's doing in their hearts and lives. We're praying about it all the time. So I hope you're praying for somebody that you're looking for that experience with them to say, come on, come with me on this beautiful journey with Jesus. So Moses convinced, he said, he shared with his father-in-law, you know, where, who they were, where they're going, what was in it for him and why they were so excited. So we talked about that last week. So we're excited. So who are we? We are a transformed, authentic, generational, multicultural community of believers consumed with the mission of God. We are impact as a community committed to bringing glory to God by exposing people to the transforming power of the gospel of God's grace. And that's really what it is. I mean, God's goodness will touch you. I had a, passed a sign on a church here in town that said, come as you are and be set free. And I went, that's really an interesting sign. So you do say come as you are, but you are expecting that I'm going to come as I am, but you're expecting that you're going to change me, right? And you know, a lot of people are like, that's what church is all about. Like you come to church and yeah, they say come as you are, but they got an agenda with you and they want to change you. I don't want to change anybody. I just simply want to introduce them to Jesus. That's all we want to do, honestly, because you know what? If there is any change necessary, which is not me to judge and determine, you know, if there is, then you know what? If any lasting change is going to take place, it's got to be by the Spirit of God, not by manipulation or dogmatic teaching or all that. It's got to be a move of the Spirit of God. So we always want to be careful that we're not inviting people to our house, but we got an agenda for you. Because everyone's welcome, but you're not welcome to stay the way you are because you're screwed up and you better change and be like me. That's what sometimes, is that what, so I, I talk to folks and that's kind of, they feel like church is just a manipulation center. So we don't want to be that. So we want to invite people to come because you know what, there's a purpose in their life that God wants to unpack. And we want to be that community that introduces people to the goodness of the gospel of the grace of God. Habakkuk 2.14 we got to change our uh, introduction on our podcast. How many have ever listened to our podcast? Yeah, that's fantastic. In, in YouTube, we got a whole bunch of followers, too, and things like that, which is great. I go on to our podcast thing, and I look, and it shows you all the clicks and people who listen. I'm kind of surprised by it, you know? But our introduction says, we are the teaching ministry of Impact Church, Pastor Carl and Shara Thomas. And our favorite verse is, Habakkuk 2.14. And it starts with that. I think it started like that for about eight years now. Or before. I got to change that. But I'm telling you, I say that because that is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I love it. Because you know what? Before Jesus comes back, this has to be fulfilled. The earth is going to be filled, not with the glory. That, did the glory come? Was I busy? Did I miss it? Like the glory of God, the goodness of God, the full weighty expression of God. Like watch this. You ready? Did you feel something, George? Are you okay? <laughs> My glory just landed on George. And George really experienced it. You know, honestly, not a single person. Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh. We'll see it together. All flesh will experience it. Like God is going to drop himself down in a big, big way, and nobody's going to say, Was I in the bathroom? What happened? 
everybody's going to experience because that, that word filled is, is, is uh, male, which means completely overflowing. Like, like not just little, I mean, not, not filled to a little bit, but overflowing. And then that knowledge is yada, which means tangible, experiential. Like, like I had a yada experience with George. He experienced my glory on, boom, right on top of him. How is it going to happen, Pastor? As the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? It's really, really heavy. Like, I was heavy, and I landed on George. But as the waters cover the sea, if George was at the bottom of the ocean right now, he would be flat as a pancake. He'd be like, ah! Because, you know, you go a bit deep, you feel pressure. You go a little bit deeper, that's why you have to have scuba gear and other types of gear, because you go a little lower, and there's pressure. You see, but the pressure of God's goodness is going to so flood the earth, not a single person's going to miss it. And it's so good, isn't it? And then Acts 20, 24, Paul said, this is the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ himself to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. What is the gospel? It's the grace of God. God's for you. God loves you. God's nuts about you. Huh? I mean, we got Paul over there. Paul, Paul stand up. Just, just stand up, wave at the crowd. Go ahead. Yep. Thank you very much. That's Paul. Say hello. You know why Paul's here? Paul's here because a couple of kids that go to this church were waitresses over at the Del Mar. And Paul observed their lives and the weight of the goodness on their lives. The weight of God's goodness in their lives got all over Paul. And Paul was experienced the weight of the goodness of God. And he heard them and he just, he realized, he discerned that these guys aren't just nice kids. They're believers. And, and he, then he said, where do you guys go to church? They said, we go to Impact. So Paul said, well, me too. Is that right, Paul? It's absolutely true. I mean, Paul's been here for a long time. He's quiet, sits over there, behaves himself. He shouts a little bit sometimes when he's requested. But, but you know, Paul really was genuinely impacted by people in this place. And that's why he's here. And what they experienced, what Paul experienced was the goodness of God through people who just are nuts about Jesus. Hello. So that's, that's what we want to do. We want everybody to experience his goodness. We want it to pour upon them. And that's, that's who we are, and that's what we're about. And when Paul heard who we are, heard what's going on, heard what God's doing in people's lives, he said, uh, they said, come with us, Paul. He said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Madeline, are you in? I'm in. All right. Okay, Acts chapter 3, verse 21. This is now Peter's preaching. He's talking, beautiful sermon, incredible stuff. But he talked about Jesus, and he said, Jesus isn't here right now. You guys killed him, is what he told him. He said, you guys killed him. He didn't know what you're doing. But it was established beforehand that that would happen. He's in heaven right now. And heaven has to hang on to him. It says heaven has received him, and heaven is going to retain him until. Say until. You're going to find out when Jesus is coming back right now. Right now. I'm going to tell you of the return of Jesus Christ. Pay attention. It's happening right now. Wow. I was in church today. It was revealed. Are you ready? He's there until the restoration of all that God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets from ages past, from the most ancient of time in the memory of man. I thought that would be more exciting than that. You know? <laughs> oh, you wanted like a date and a time? Or this is when it's going to happen. So, so what does that mean? Let me, let me go back to my favorite verse. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Jesus can't come back until that prophecy is fulfilled. 
I don't care how much eschatology and nutty stuff you did. If you think otherwise, you think contrarily to the word of God. Don't care how much you study the word. If you're missing this, you're missing the reality. Uh, Peter preached and said, Jesus is gone and he ain't coming back until. Well, you might go, well, he's never coming then. Are you kidding me? I mean, the glory of God is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of it. And the beautiful thing is we are the vehicle that's going to bring it into manifestation. He, he actually believes in you. He trusts that his plan that he set in place for the church to be the vehicle through the church. Let there be glory in the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has limited himself to his body being the expression of himself in the earth. And he's okay with that. Because he's confident he's building a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's a church glorious. It's a church powerful. It's a church that gets shaken every once in a while and needs to get shaken. But you know, the kingdom can never be shaken. But the church can be shaken to align with the kingdom. And the church has got to get shaken a lot of nonsense and a lot of crazy, wacky beliefs out of their system. There's things people hold on to that are not biblical. And those things actually hinder the revelation. If you're not aligning yourself under the revelation of God, you can really have a contrary belief system. And while you're standing at the bus waiting for God to get you out of here, there's people all around you who need to hear about Jesus. If you think the next greatest thing God's going to do is get us out of this mess, that's not true. The next greatest thing God is doing is reaching the people he's put you in contact with. He's revealing his glory in and through you, and he will not return. The word restoration is the restoration of a true theocracy of the perfect state before the fall. Not just before the fall fall, but before any of that was introduced. And not the fall of mankind, but the fall of the whole cosmos. See, because if we went back to the garden, we still have the ability to fail. We're not going back to the garden. We're going to where we've never been before. We're going to a place of absolute total perfection where there is no ability to fall ever again because our redemption is not based on our ability to keep the law. Our redemption is on the fact that he fulfilled and covered everything for us and it's a gift of the grace of God. And my relationship with him is not fragile and it doesn't depend on me keeping and abiding in rules. It's a relationship of family. It's a relationship where I've been brought into union with the Godhead itself and I'll never get kicked out. I didn't bring myself in and I can't take myself out. And we are being brought into a place, not just in the sweet by and by, but right now, where the kingdom of God is now. Well, that's wonderful. And it's not yet. Because we don't understand that it's now. Where it's not yet is mostly because Jesus is Lord, means the king is Lord over everything, but we are the vehicle that is supposed to be declaring that. And if we don't believe it's really going to happen in our day, we're probably not going to be real confident about the message. Anyway, how are you doing? Wow, that was a lot of stuff, wasn't it? Well, okay, let's go to another slide because i got to keep moving. Psalm 102.16, for the Lord shall build up Zion and he shall appear in his glory. Well, that's great. What is Zion? Mount Zion. It's one of those mountains. But what is Zion? But you have come to Mount Zion. What is the Hebrew writer talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, another thing, city, church, body of Christ, all these things. He said, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Say heavenly. Jerusalem. It's not the heavenly Jerusalem in the heavens. It's us because we're seated with him in heavenly places right now. There's the physical Jerusalem, historical Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, tangible. And I mean, the rows were just there. So they're actually, there's a different glow on their lives right now because of their visits. 
There's a glow in their spirit. There's something that's so thrilling about the whole thing of being in a historical place like that. But you see, that's the physical Jerusalem. But then there's the new Jerusalem. I had the snorking anointing there. Did you hear it? I was grasping for more air. There's the, there's the new Jerusalem that's going to come out of heaven, right? There's going to become a new heaven and a new earth, and a new Jerusalem will come out of heaven, and that's where he's going to reign and rule forever and ever, and we'll reign with him and have fun. But there's that third Jerusalem, which is the heavenly Jerusalem. What is that? Heavenly Jerusalem, the general assembly uh, and the church of the firstborn. The heavenly Jerusalem is us. Us. Whenever you hear about Zion, whenever you hear about the heavenly Jerusalem, it's talking about the body of Christ right now. And we are an incredible vehicle of people. That's who we are. And Jesus, it says, look, he shall build up Zion and then he will appear in his glory. So when will he appear in glory? When Zion comes into full expression and full maturity. What does it say in Ephesians? It says that he's going to build up the church. He's going to equip the church. He's going to bring the church to the full measure of the stature of Christ himself. You see, every single one of us are going to come into the full revelation of our union with Christ, one with Christ, full maturity in Christ. It says, and, and that's not going to, all the ministries, five-fold ministries, they're going to be around equipping the church until we realize that destiny. Very important stuff. So it says he's going to appear in glory. Before the glory is king can come, the glory of the king must be established. Before he could come into your life, he had to give you a new spirit. Before he could take up residence in you, he had to put a new spirit in you. Before he will take up physical residence in the earth again, he's going to fill the earth with the climate of heaven, with the nature of heaven. Before the glorious king comes, the glory must fill all the earth. Praise the Lord. Okay, give me another slide just for fun. Ezra chapter 1. Here we go. We're getting into some new stuff now because that's who we are. It's all about the glory, and we are the vehicle to bring into manifestation of the glory. Ezra chapter 1. Now, Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, these are all historical post-exilic books. Say post-exilic. Post-exilic means post after the exile. So there was an exile. It's not the same as the exodus of them coming out of Egypt, this is coming out of exile. This was a group of people who were brought into the promised land but didn't really fully understand what God wanted to do with them. They messed up, turned after other gods, did all kinds of other crazy things. And, but then God was like, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, I'm going to have my way. It doesn't even matter. If people don't, I'm, I'm going I'm to make it happen. And God's going to make it happen. So he prophesied with Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, you know what? You guys are trusting in the city. You're trusting in the physical. You're trusting in what you can see. You're saying, we're the city of God. Nobody can touch us. And you're trusting in the wrong thing. You're not trusting in God himself. So they were trusting in all that nonsense. And sure enough, they went into exile. But Jeremiah prophesied. And he said, he said you're going to be set free. He says, you're going to be there for 70 years. And then you're going to be sent back. And you're going to going to reestablish the place of God. And there's a lot of stuff we could talk about there. We could talk about the fact that they were there for 490 years. And in the 490 years, they never practiced the Sabbath year. They never practiced Jubilee. And if you take 490 and you divide it by the seven of the Sabbath years, you get 70. So God said the land was supposed to have rest for seven years. Every seven years, you never let it happen. I'm going to make sure it does. And God made it have rest from them for 70 years. A lot of interesting stuff there. We could get really weird and we could get, you know, listen, if you're not honoring God with what's his, he's going to have his way. 
Okay, that was good, right? All right. And it's not because he's mean and nasty. It's because he knows what's right and good for you because he's a good God. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. But anyway, here we are. We're in the post-exilic historical books. All right. So in Ezra chapter 1, 1 to 6, I just got a portion there. That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. That the Lord's will would be realized. That, that the timings that he spoke and established. That the prophetic words that he spoke by the mouth of Jeremiah. Not one word that I have spoken. Not one prophetic word is going to fall to the ground. He's going to make sure they're all fulfilled. So that it might be fulfilled a, a evil king Cyrus. He moved on the heart of that evil king. So that all the peoples would be released to go back to their homes. And to reestablish worship to their God. So as a part of that. The people there of Israel in captivity. They were all sent back because God stirred up the spirit of an evil king so that the purposes of God prevail in their day. So that's what's going on. Build the house of the Lord in Israel. And all whose spirits God moved also, they rose up and they went and they built the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Are you with me? God is doing something at a specific time and space. God has a date set that he wants to be realized. And because God wants it to be realized, God himself begins to engage humanity. He begins to move people's hearts. He begins to stir their hearts to align themselves with what they're doing in his day. Hello! Yeah! Give me another slide just because we... Moved is the word... God oored their hearts. Go ahead and say, oor. That was weak. But anyways, that was good. All right. So he moved them. It means to rouse, to incite, to stir up, to move by force. All right. Ezra chapter 9 later talks about it because the people were given up on the journey. They were kind of like, well, maybe it's not time, you know. I know Jeremiah prophesied. I know it's miraculous. We've been set free and brought back here. I know, I know, but it's hard. You know, maybe it's not time. And then Ezra had to go, what are you doing? Now, for a brief moment, grace has been shown us to give us some reviving to set up the house of God. He'll send times, kairos, moments of refreshing in the body of Christ. He'll come and he'll bring us, he'll brood over us, and he'll call us to partner with him in things he's doing in our day. And it says there's a rega. That's the word that is used. It's a Hebrew word, rega, which is the same thing in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. The Septuagint in Greek translated rega as kairos. Now, kairos is the different from chronos. Chronos is right here. This is chronos. And look at that. I have lots of time. That's chronos. So chronos time is going. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying there is a time, a set time. And it's what kind of time? It's a brief moment, specific time, a limited time with fixed boundaries. There is a window that God has said there is a window open. It's got significant boundaries. Like God, when he gave the word to Jeremiah, tell them they're going to go into captivity. But tell them I'll honor my word. I will restore them. See, he gave an exact time, and that time had to be fulfilled. So God himself began to move on the hearts of people to bring the release for his purpose to be done in the earth. God's got a purpose right now. The parameters of time are being stretched right now for a very significant purpose in the earth. And for those of ears to hear, pay attention to what the Lord is saying today.
Rega, a brief moment, Kairos, in the fullness of time. Jesus didn't come at any time. Jesus came right on time. Jesus came in the fullness of time. We're in a fullness of time moment. I really believe that. I really believe that. I am asking. My, my spirit's being moved. Things are happening in my life. There's a readjustment and a realignment to things that God is stirring in me again. Okay, good. Let's have another slide. Just I'm not sure where I am anymore. <laughs> Ezra 4. Let's stay in Ezra. Ezra 4. So these people started beating down the morale of the people of Judah, harassing them as they built. They even hired propagandists to sap their resolve. They kept this up for 15 years throughout the lifetime of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and into the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. So you got the word of the Lord, you got the direction of God, you got the spirit of God in you, moving you. I mean, all kinds of opportunities, things are going on, and it's smooth sailing from there on in. Woo! No, what happened was the people back there said, look, those guys got taken away. We've taken their land, and they said, we're not going to give it up. You see, when we come back and we realize that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hey, everybody, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God loves you all. Come on home. Hello? And you see, here's what, here's what happens. See, when you hear the voice of the Lord and you start walking into your destiny, all of hell is going to rise up and say, not so fast. Whoa. Well, it's the word of the Lord. He should just back off. It is the word of the Lord. And you know, God's word will always prevail. That's why you got to dig deep. And you got to not be disturbed by beating down of morale, harassment, and hiring propagandists to say things about you that are not true. And these things get difficult. These things get hard. But you know, I find the people of God are easily distracted. And back then, literally, they were like, oh, this is hard. I guess it's not time yet. Amen? Hey, everybody, you know what I think? I think because this is so hard, maybe we should just chill for a bit. I mean, what's this two-service thing and give it more time? I don't know. Pastor, man, I don't know. feel a bit of manipulation going on here. You know what? Honestly, if you can't do that, I totally get it. And there's people who honestly can't. It would be impossible for them to do. But I know some folks, there's really not much going on. Come on. I mean, what did you do last night, Honestly. How many did something that you could never shift or change because it was so special? And we're asking from like 6 o'clock to 7.30, come hang out with us. You can still do the special stuff after. <laughs> like, well, 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 you, I mean, it takes so much time out of my day to plan to be there for that. I mean, you have no idea. I got to change everything. Yes! I'm so glad I introduced this to our staff. They all looked at me funny at the first meeting. I kid you not, I kid you not, a week later, they all said, I'm going to change my whole schedule, and we're going to do this. I, honest, I have to say, I've actually, I, I haven't worked with a lot of staffs in my life. I've pastored this church for 28 years. <laughs> but we got very, very special people that are serving us right now. I mean, very special. And we are really, really blessed, you know? So I like that. So... All right, so a lot of difficulties. Give me another slide just because, as I said. So by force of arm. Listen to this. Now listen to this. I read this verse and it bothered me. All right, see if you can find out why it bothered me because it bugged me. 
By force of arms, they made them cease. Thus, the work of the house of the Lord, which was at Jerusalem, ceased and was discontinued. Does that bother anybody? The work of the Lord ceased and discontinued. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, if it's the work of the Lord, it can't cease or be discontinued. Well, we'll see, Pastor. We'll see if what you're sharing is the work of the Lord or not. We'll see. Well, you know, the work of the Lord, it was the work of the Lord, but the work of the Lord ceased and discontinued because people gave in to discouragement, negative words, negative stuff, and then everybody kind of bought into, eh, not right now. How are we doing? So they bought into that. So, they said, so, so that bothers me. Does it bother you? Does it bother anybody else? God's purpose in your life has stopped. It's over, it's discontinued, man, done. Okay, let me apply it to you personally. What God had eternally planned and what he spoke to you, all his promises in your life, man, it's over, it's stopped, it's done, halt and desist, over. You are condemned to a life of mediocrity and average. Are you okay with that? I'm not okay with that because I read that, I hear that the Bible's telling me the Bible is saying the work of the Lord ceased. I've got a word for you, Pastor. It's in Ezra chapter 4:23. The work of the Lord ceased. The Lord bless you in your future. When I read that, I go, what? So then what do you do when you read that? Well, you got to read on because it's a book. You got to read the whole book. So let's go on to the next one. You ready? Say then. What do you mean then? Then when? Then when? When the people of God started to fall into the trap of the enemy mocking and coming against them and discouraging them and telling them they're no good, it's not going to happen, you must be mistaken, maybe your timing is wrong, it's not this. When all of that was going on and the work of the Lord was at risk, what happened then? Say then. Then the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophesied. They came and they prophesied. See, when something that God has in his heart and mind isn't coming into expression, you're going to have a sit-down with God. You're going to have a powwow with the Almighty. It's like the guys who are on the way to Emmaus saying, it's over, Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Thank God in that miserable state, Jesus caught up with them. Jesus always catches up with his purpose, and he's committed that what he began in you, he's going to complete it and bring it to a flourishing conclusion. That's in the Bible somewhere. So here it is. The prophets came, and they prophesied in the name of God of Israel, who was over them. He said, so Zerubbabel, and I'm taking a bunch of stuff out just for space, but Zerubbabel, who was the, the king and, and the leader, the royal leader, and Joshua, who was the spiritual leader, the high priest. So when they heard the word of the Lord, what they did was they rose up. I had in my notes just pause there because they're going to get excited. They rose up. It says the people rose up and began to build the house. It doesn't say that the enemy left them alone. It doesn't mean that there was no more hardship. It doesn't mean that the propagandists, the slanders, the liars, the people who came to forcefully come against them, none of that stopped. But they stopped giving into it. They stopped yielding to it. They stopped saying, I'm not having it. I'm focused on the word of God for my life. So boom, there they did. The house of God was in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. So how many, sometimes you need a prophetic moment where God will come into your situation and say, what are you doing there? Hello. How are you guys? Okay, let's move on quickly. 
Zechariah, here's one of the prophecies. Zechariah, so you can read the prophetic books of Haggai and Zechariah, and these are all post-exilic prophets. And so if you want to know what the prophets prophesy, you can go to Haggai, and you can go to Zechariah, and you can find out what the word of the Lord was to those people who stopped doing the work of the Lord. Because Haggai said, if you, oh, you guys have determined that it's time for it to stop. It's time for you to go work on your house and not worry about the house of the Lord. He said, you're thinking wrong. He said, tell you, align yourself, get back up. And he gave him a specific date of the fulfillment of it. Pretty amazing stuff. But Zechariah was good. Zechariah said, you got some opposition. You got people coming against you. But I want to tell you, he gave him a vision. He gave him a vision of two trees. And he said, you, Zerubbabel, and you, Joshua, you are like two living trees. You are, you are going to give resources. There's an anointing on you that is going to flow. It's not an anointing from a, a, a jar or a vessel. It's an anointing from a living, ceaseless supply. And that is going to be a flow of my anointing on you as you begin to lead these people. And that anointing is never going to end. It's going to be ceaseless. And that anointing in your life, when it comes into manifestation, you're going to be powerful. And he said, listen, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by preaching and manipulation and trying to turn people's arms. Because if you get involved in something at all because I made you or I twisted your arm, there'll be no grace for it. And you'll eventually burn out because you never had it in your spirit. It's not fleshly effort that'll ever get this done. It's leaning heavily into the Spirit of God. If, I, if, if this wasn't the Spirit of God, I would say myself, I pass. But you know, when the Spirit says, come on, the Spirit will make it good. The Spirit will bless it. The Spirit will move on it. And it's going to be good for everybody involved, right? So we have a ceaseless. He says, what is this great mountain? He says, it'll become like a plain. This mountain, this obstacle that you think is keeping you from your destiny, it's not by might or by power, it's by my spirit. I'm telling you right now, God spoke over your life, he said it, and these obstacles will be like a plane, and you're going to walk into your destiny. So there's a ceaseless living supply of the power of God. Let me move on now. Yet Nehemiah, Nehemiah, here's Nehemiah. He finds out that, again, they're trying to restore Jerusalem. And now they're restoring the house of God, the temple, but now the city, the full city, the full circumference of the city, the walls are burnt down, the gates are burnt down. Everybody who walks by Jerusalem just goes, <laughs> you know, that was once an amazing city, great city. Look at them now. Pretty awesome. I mean, a fox, a fox could just jump over the rubble and steal their chickens. Those people are unsafe, uncared for, unkept. People look at the church today and they say, what a bunch of useless people. Look at them. They go there week after week and look at them. I mean, there's no authority in their life. There's no safety in their life. There's no power authority. They're all just a broken down heap of rubble. They call themselves living stones and they can't even get it together themselves. What a heap of losers. You know why they go to church? Because everybody needs a crutch. And if you need religion, it's because you're weak and anemic. I could drive by that church every day and say, ha! Losers. How exciting was that? Was that encouraging right there? Well, you see, they were, every, everybody would walk by and say, Jerusalem was once great. Now, Nehemiah is a cupbearer in front of the king, and he gets a letter talking to him about the condition of his hometown. And he knows the word of the Lord has been fulfilled. People have gone back to rebuild, and he hears that the rebuilding isn't going well. I mean, it's just rubbish and rubble. They're living like a bunch of scavengers on a heap of ruins. It's not a beautiful city. It's a total mess. It's a wreck. And he hears about that, and he's a cupbearer, and he's got to go in front of the king. Now, a cupbearer in front of the king, what you 
do is you taste the wine before he does so that there's poison in it. You die instead of him. So it's a great job. But here's the thing now. He goes in before the king, and whenever you're in the presence of the king, there is fullness of joy. And that's the way their rules were. You do not come into the presence of the king in the, in, in the Medes and Persians empire. If you come into the presence of the king and you're glum or you're sad, you're bringing in to the presence of the king an atmosphere that is not conducive to the throne room. That's their culture. So you know what? If you came in sad and miserable like that, they would literally take you out and kill you for bringing a bad attitude in front of the king. Wow, aren't you glad God's not like that? But literally, when he walked in, he was sad and downcast. The king said, what are you so sad about? He went, oh, joy, oh, king, oh, bliss. Was I sad? I'm still happy. I'm so... And then he said, no, you were really sad. He went, no, no, king, be blessed. Live forever. You're awesome. You're wonderful. He goes, no, you were really sad. He said, I am sad. You know what? Let it be what it is. But I'm sad for my people. I'm sad for my city. And he began to pour out his heart in supplication there. And he said, wow. And then he said, you know what? If you would, would you let me... Would you free me from my service here and let me go back and cause the rebuilding to begin? So he did. He let him go back. And he said, and here's his name. His name is Nehemiah. Here's what the name Nehemiah is. Na-ya-nakam. What is that? It's two words, compound words, divine counselor. Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Ghost who has come to put Humpty Dumpty back together again to put Humpty Dumpty back on the wall, to put the gates of the authority in place and bring and restore Jerusalem to its rightful place in the purposes of God. The Spirit of God is moving today not to equip people to get on their rapture boots and say, get me out of here. The Holy Spirit is moving in the church today to empower it to be that vehicle that brings the glory of God into the earth. And Nehemiah wants to take the church, the Holy Ghost wants to take the church to a place of authority, of prominence, of service, of the goodness of God, of blessing. Not to be a byword, not to be something ignored, but to be something that people look at and say, wow. How do you know that? Because Isaiah 2, 2 says, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be the highest house and all nations will flow to it. It'll be a place of influence, not a byword, not something you could ignore. Anyways, am I talking too much or What? I'm exhausted already, aren't you? All right, let's move on because we're getting there. So Nehemiah, he said, if it please you, please send me. He's got authority, he got abundance, and he got angels. He got authority, he says, may I have letters to the governors. He got the seal of the leader of the known world that whatever he asks for, you give it to him. He is going in my name. So the comforter comes with all the authority of heaven. The comforter comes with abundance. Wherever he went, there was resources. So he came and said, give me timber. Give me this. Whatever is necessary to do the job, the Holy Ghost has with him. And he's going to bring it into manifestation. And then it says, will you also send with me officers? And will you send with me a cavalry? So he didn't travel by himself back to Jerusalem. He went with authority. He went with abundance. And he went with the armies of heaven. And that's who we are. This is all a type of who we are. The post-exilic books and prophecies are for right now. They are all for right now. The church went through a dark period. It went through a difficult time. We're in a place of restoration. And we're going to come to a place of unprecedented authority like the world has never seen before because Jesus is building his church. All right, move along. Move along quickly. Nehemiah 2.10, here again we have. He goes back with all of this, and he finds out it distressed them exceedingly that a man had come to inquire and require their good and prosperity. 
You know, just because we go, we're the people of God. Doesn't mean the enemy's just going to roll over. See, you can have the Holy Spirit with you, and that doesn't mean it distressed them exceedingly that a man had come to, you know, treat them well. Nehemiah 4, 7, 8, they were very angry. These people plotted together to come against and fight against Jerusalem to injure and to cause confusion and failure. Everywhere in restoration, you're going to have counterattacks. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Verse, I love this because here they are again. They're starting to build the wall, and here they come again. They say, hey, we want to have a little summit, a little powwow down the street. Why don't you come and we'll have a talk? Well, where are you guys going to meet? Well, come, let us meet together among the villages on the plain of Oh No. I love that. Don't you love the word of God? Hey, how are you? I want to have a coffee. Just thinking, I don't know. What do you think about this Saturday night service? I don't know. Let's have a talk about it. Where do you want to meet? I want to meet at the coffee shop of Oh No. Oh, no. Oh. Anybody ever had a coffee you don't know? Anybody ever been invited to oh, no? Anybody ever yourself invited people to oh, no? You know, you got to filter out. Do you really believe what God said in your life? Because if you don't have that established in your heart and in your life, you can easily get distracted to the valley of oh, no. How are you? How many are answering your questions right now? You're filling in your things. How many like the answer to question three? Deborah, two, three. is there anything I can help you with right now? So far, so good. Look at Deborah. She's got all kinds of stuff written on her notes. That's so good. But this is something we're just trying out. You know, we're, we're just thinking maybe this would be a great way for us all to track together and move together and talk about what God's saying to us. So, so he would not come down. I love it. He says, why should I cease what's going on? He said, I am doing a great work. What are you doing? But what I'm doing don't matter, so I guess I can have a coffee you don't know. You know, when you don't understand the purpose, the destiny, and things that God has called you to, you get easily sidetracked into stupid stuff. You should know what you're called to do, right? Give me another slide because we're getting stuck there. All right! Praise God, I gave you all of that just to get here. Nehemiah chapter 3, the whole chapter not going to read it all, but if you read that whole chapter, it says all the people, the, the prophets, the priests, everybody, all the leaders, they all gathered together and they said, you have come. We believe you were sent. We believe the message you've given us. We are going to agree with you, align ourselves with you, and we're going to build. So it says, so they all got together and they began to build. It says, then Eliashab, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, rose up, and the priests, they built the sheep gate. So you can track this whole thing, and you can go all the way. You can track it, and you can go all the way around the gates of Jerusalem and the walls. And often it says, and they, at, in front of where they lived, in front of their house, in front of where they were. And how many know if you need a wall somewhere, in front of where you live is a good idea? And I, I don't think it's a bad thing that people built walls near where they lived. You should be building the walls in your world, in your relationships, in, in your heart, and in your life. You should be building the purpose of God right where you are. Well, I'm hoping the pastor will build my wall. Not going to happen. They built where they were. They, built, they took responsibility for their purpose in what God was doing. So if you look at it, there's 28 times it says next to, next to, next to, next to, next to. And there are 44 different groups that got engaged in the building. Isn't that awesome? You know what? Here's, here's George. I sat on a minute ago, but here's George. You know what? And, and George and I, we're going to build next to George. And then somebody else is going to build there. And then George is going to go around me. And then, and then so on. And so on. But you, you can sit down now. But, you know, if somebody in that process decides that they don't care, 
It doesn't matter how awesome the other parts of the wall are. Anybody can get in because there's a part of the wall missing. That's why it's next to, next to, next to. That's why I called the sermon side by side. You know what? You don't have just a responsibility to your place. You have a responsibility to the others that God has placed you in the body of Christ with. You know, if we don't all do this together, you know, no matter how hard some people work, it doesn't matter. You know, we all got to do it. It says the army of the Lord, it did not breach. It did not break step. There was no breach in the wall. And, you know, we're only going to realize this. It says, in, it says in Ephesians that we mature as each part functions. It says maturity of the body of Christ. It says even the power. The power is not in me and is not in George. The power is in the joining. The power is in the joint supplies. So it's the power of us connecting that actually releases what God wants to do in this place. I don't want to work at a church. I just wanted to drop in for a few hours. That's not church then. That's entertainment. And there's a lot of people getting entertained on the internet having virtual church all the time right now. While the walls in the body of Christ are burnt and rubble. How are you? All right. Don't be afraid to shout amen. It's okay. Because you know how needy I am. I know that our speakers last weekend, all their needs were met in Christ. Some of mine are still met by you saying amen. <laughs> That's, isn't that terrible? My wife says, you're so needy. It's terrible. Anyways, okay. John Maxwell Cooperation is working together agreeably. All right, I'll agree. Oh, I'll give it a shot. That's, that's cooperation. Collaboration is working together aggressively. And there's a whole different situation going on there. So we want to work together, not, not cooperating. We, we're looking for people who want to get aggressive. Say aggressive. How many want to be just an average church on the corner down here not doing much? I think he's building a glorious church. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Just thought that was what the word said. All right. So uh, Michael Jordan, just to get some other really fine theologians in the sermon. Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. Tommy Lestorte, another great theologian. Playing for yourself. They're not theologians, actually, in case somebody call me. They're not theologians, by the way. I know, I know. Playing for yourselves wins trophies, but playing for your team wins championships. Teamwork is a big deal everywhere. In any, in a, you're in any job, in any place, in any setting, anywhere. You know what? You're only as good as the people that are working together and collaborating with each other. Amen. Give me another slide. I'm catching up. Romans 16, 3 to 4. The Apostle Paul, he has so many people. He lists who help him. I love this. He says, Crete, Priscilla, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their very lives for me. Like they were willing to lay down their lives to help the mission of Paul go ahead. That's pretty intense stuff. And you know, when a mission is really large, it takes sacrifice and it takes effort to engage and start to pull it off. Synergy. Here's a picture of synergy. One plus one is more than two. What's one plus one, pastor? It's more than two. It's way more than two. Let me give you a definition here of synergy. It's from uh, Stephen Covey. He said, synergy is everywhere in nature. If you plant two plants close together, the roots commingle. They improve the quality of the soil, and both plants grow better than they were if they were separate. If you put two pieces of wood together, they'll hold much more, and the total sum will be much more than they would hold separately. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. One plus one equals three or more. Always equals more. Now, let me give you a picture, all right? I love that picture. 
I've shown that picture all kinds of places and stuff. You got those two little horses. Did you, they look little in that picture. If you're standing beside them, they're big horses. But that is a big pile. How many believe those two horses are going to pull that pile? They absolutely will. They will absolutely pull that. Now, one of them could only pull a fraction of that pile, but two of them can do incredible stuff. Let me read this to you. You ready? A single draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds. 8,000 pounds, that's a lot, right? It says the strength involved in this is hard to imagine. So then we can speculate what would happen if we hooked up two horses. It says if you instantly thought that two horses could then do 16,000 pounds, you're totally wrong. Because you double 8,000, you get 16,000, but you're wrong. Two draft horses together cannot pull twice as much. They can actually pull three times as much. Two draft horses can each pull 8,000, but together two horses can pull 24,000 pounds. Now, two horses together can pull 24,000 pounds. That's cooperation and working together. But here's, they go on to say, horses are teaching us a very clear lesson in teamwork, but they have, te they have more to teach us. Two horses that are pulling together, who've trained together, been involved with one another, worked with one another, experienced working with one another over a period of time, they can pull three times as much, more than three times as much. They are able to pull 32 to 38,000 pounds. And there's a massive acceleration that happens, not just because two people agree to pull a load, but two people agree to knit their hearts together. They agree to not cooperate, but we're going to collaborate. We're going to really engage this thing. I'm not just going to, you know, fill a chair or, or do a little of this or do a little of that. I'm going to nail my life to yours. I'm going to join my heart to yours. I'm going to engage the purpose that God has for me that engages you and what you have for me. We're going to knit our hearts together on purpose, and we're going to collaborate and do something incredible. Can you imagine if this group of people who can pull a lot on their own, if we wouldn't just cooperate, but collaborate, what could happen in this city? You think about how in 52 days, in 52 days, the walls of Jerusalem were built. 52 days, they went from nothing rubble to those walls were built because the people got involved and collaborated. What does God want to build in this city? What does he want to do in this city? That because we collaborate, because we work together, because we really engage the mission of God together, what could really happen? That's why we decided to do a little sermon series called Imagine, taking out those two words, I'm in. Because if you can imagine what we could do together, when it's not okay for me to not give my strength to you, it's not okay for me not to mature together with you, it's not okay for me to just be a hanger-on, Impact Church is intentionally intrusive. We really believe that you're not allowed to just sit and get. You got to come to really grow and for all of us to function together. You got to know what your giftings are. You got to know who you are. And for us to flow together and for all of us to win together, it means we got to collaborate together and do more. We are intentionally intrusive. I'm being a little intentionally intrusive today. Is that true? Some of you are looking at me. The volume of your look is amazing. <laughs> it's all good, really. It's only one person. Okay, so <laughs> it's George. So <laughs> give me another slide. Cooperation is working together. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, seven observations really, really fast, really fast. In that chapter, you'll see seven observations. Number one, first of all, if we're going to do this, here's my thing. God's hand's got to be on it. 
I don't know about you. If God's not, his hand's not on us gathering together, I would rather be golfing because I was hitting the ball really good yesterday. I mean, I want to do that again. That was awesome. But you know what? I believe that this has a priority in my life. I believe in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you know what? All your golf strokes will be added after that. It says all things. He who gave you his own son, how much more along with him will he give you? So you know what? God's hand's got to be on it. Secondly, it says leaders go first. And I was really, really humbled that I did get a Buddha. When I first announced that, you know, I think this is the way we're going to go. We've talked about it. Our elderships talked about it stuff. Instead of doing two Sunday mornings, we're going to do a Saturday night. And that's going to be demanding for us as a staff. And they all kind of went, what? But I kid you not, I didn't do anything. I didn't kind of, you know, write a few calls, threaten, do nothing. I just went, Lord Jesus, that was a bit awkward. And, uh, but you know, within a week, they all looked and they said, we can do this. And I was just, and it was forceful. You know, and you know what? Leaders got to go first. Leaders got to go first. The next thing is, God uses all kinds of people. I love it. The people building walls were, there was goldsmiths and perfumers that were building walls. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or what you think. You have got a gift and a talent. You've got an ability build with us in the body of Christ. Every one of you got something in them. There are hills that we want to mine out because you are incredibly special to what's going on here with us. All right, number four, number four. Some refused to get involved. Verse five said some did not put their necks to the work. That, that can happen. But number five says some people worked as families. It says one guy and his daughters. They all worked together as families. Another in verse 20, it says Brooke, he finished his part of the wall. So he said, hey, is there more work to be done? And he went, Baruch, around here we call Baruch Wayne. And it says, yeah. <laughs> like, Wayne's like, what's next? What's next? Can you please help us with this? Sure. And after we do that, what then? What's next? Well, I helped once like three years ago. What's next? I love that. You know, and it says some people work with passion. You know, and then, then the last one, this is the last one, you ready? Some people do do more than others. It says that to Kohites, they repaired another place. And you know what? That always happens. Don't compare yourself. Like, like I always tell our staff when they hire them, please don't ever compare yourself with Cheryl. She is bizarre. I don't know how she does what she does. She works, does crazy things, honestly. Just kind of smile now and go, you're awesome, Pastor Cheryl. But if you try to keep up with her sometimes, it's impossible. I don't know how she does what she does, but there's a grace on her to do big amounts of stuff. I don't know. It's her gifting, actually, to do that. So, you know, don't compare yourself to somebody else. Who cares? The only thing you got to do is, you know what? Am I stepping up and using what I've got? Am I bringing to the show what I contribute? You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I mean, it's so beautiful. In our small group last week, I had Brenda Smith beside me. She says, well, I started, you know, greeting. I started doing this. And then all of a sudden, I heard they needed help in nursery. And then I went, I love dealing with kids. So she filled out all her paperwork, and she got plugged into nursery. She says, nursery is great. And I'm like, wow, I love nursery workers. <laughs> but isn't it great to have people that that's what they love? I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because babies terrify me. Yeah. But it's so great, you know, and she said, I, I didn't really like the greeting thing, but I went and did this. And then Sue and Ray, when they came like 10 years ago, we put them as greeters. Sue hates greetings. She'd be going, hey. <laughs> you know, then Sue saw, uh, we were opening the door to media team. She said, I don't know much about that, but I'll check it out. Now she runs the whole thing. And she sends videos out to her team, you know. But with her team emails, she sends out pictures of the team, not of the sound booth as it is, but of the biggest sound booths in the world. 
And she's constantly saying, like, here's a satellite truck that we could have in the back and be beaming it all over the world. I mean, Sue's always painting a preferred vision. This is where we're headed. And she copies me on all this stuff. They go, this lady's crazy. But Sue's like, Sue's like, we are the vehicle. We take what God is doing in this room and we send it to the whole world. So let's do it with excellence. Sue was a terrible, brutal greeter. <laughs> but who'd have known that she'd be the most amazing media leader that we could ever have? You know what? You got something. Talk to us. Do something. If you don't know what you like, try something. If you got gifts and callings in your life, you'd, I don't know how to give my strength to that place. Just do something. Start where a lot of people do. They just stand out front and go, hey, welcome. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> Actually, if that's you, we don't want you on the greeter team. Instead <laughs> the people going, oh, my God, they got brutal greeters. But anyways, how are you? Are you okay? I Please, I hope you hear my heart. I don't want to get weird or trippy or creepy, but, but we're, we're doing something, and I hope you're having fun. If we're not having fun, I don't want to do it. Amen? Okay, I only got one more quote. That's all I got right here. And this D.L. Moody, amazing, amazing leader, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said, there are many who are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do the little things. Hello, God has sent me to your church. Hallelujah. I'm a great man of God. I had a guy come to me once. He said he was an apostle God sent to our church, and he was supposed to start 6 o'clock prayer meetings every day at the church. And I went, wow, that's awesome. He said, I don't even know who you are. God never talked to me about it. He said, no, it's true. God sent me here. I said, all right. Well, before it says we should know each other when we work together, so I'm going to ask you for three months just to sit, get to know us, and then we'll talk about it in three months. What? I'm a great man of God. He sent me here to do a great work in the city, and he told me to line up with you. And I went, yeah, I didn't talk to me about it, so let's take some time, and let's grow together in this. So we're going to take three months. You just come, get to know us. Because, I mean, you know, you haven't even sat in a meeting yet or even seen who we are, what's going on. So let's just see, you know, how compatible we are, what's going on, and spend three months with me. Well, six weeks in, he made another appointment. You are provoking me. I am a great man of God. You are not giving me an opportunity. I said, I did. I gave you an opportunity, and it starts with this. Let's talk in three months. And that was how we engaged. And I was t I'm serious about that. In three months, I'm looking, I'm watching, we're engaging with each other. And in three months, I'll know you a whole lot better and we'll know how we can work together. But in this three-month period, you've already shown me it's six weeks that you're grossly impatient and you certainly have no concern or respect for the person that God has placed in a realm of spiritual authority here. So that's kind of concerning. I'm never going to come back here again. I went, that's what Jesus told me. But I love the people who walk in and they say, you know, uh, when I was walking out yesterday, Pastor, I saw that you got some grass growing in between some things in the parking lot out there, and I'm going to come back this week and take care of that. Wow, I didn't even see that. Thank you for seeing that, because I'm sure other people see that. If we can't keep the weeds between the wall taken care of, how can we care for souls? Thank you so much. I love people who can just see the little stuff. But you walk in and say... I did this at Bible school, went to Bible school. I mean, I was in sales, had my own business, sold everything, went to Bible school. And they said you could work on campus. So I went in to see the guy on campus. We're playing the guitar, it means I'm supposed to stop. So <laughs> went there on campus, and, and sure enough, the, uh, the, uh, the anointing of Cheryl, praise Jesus, it's awesome. 
I was going to say, Cheryl's not touching the clock, but isn't that good? I'm glad Catherine does that because it wakes me up that I'm going too long. So say thank you, Catherine. Amen. Some of you are more excited than others. I know that. So there I am at Bible school, and I went in, and I said, I'd, I'd like to work for the, the school. And I said, I'm a really pretty awesome person. I can do this, I can do this. You know, you probably buy stuff here. I, I can negotiate, I can buy, I can probably get a lot better deals than a lot of the things you guys work. I really think you could put me, I don't know who does the buying, but I think if you put me in charge of your buying department, I could get some ridiculous deals for the school. He says, you know what, I really could use your help. I said, fantastic, when do I start? He said, tomorrow you start, you're gonna mop the cafeteria from three o'clock to five every day. No, no, I, I said, I said, look, here's, here's the thing. Here's my resume. Here's who I am. He said, I'm thankful for who you are. He says, but I also see you have two arms and two legs and you can move them up. I went, I, I, I can. And you know what? I did that for two solid years, mopped the cafeteria. And when I finished mopping the cafeteria at five o'clock, you know what was lined up outside the door at five o'clock every single day? Even in the snowy, messy, sloppy days, I just finished doing that whole floor. It was beautiful. It was nice. And then at five o'clock, man, the doors opened and every muddy creature stepped all over my floors. And then you know what I did the next day? I came back and I did it all over again. For $1.75 an hour. Why did I say that? Just to manifest the amount of humility that I walk in. <laughs> it took a lot to get me in that because I didn't like it. I was like, oh, my God, maybe I'll do it for a few months. They'll finally let me do something good around here. And they never did. I, I stayed at the... But, you know, it was so much fun on the floor because it connected us with the community and with the students. And I got to connect with the community way more than if I was sitting on a phone playing big buyer guy. But I got a chance to serve people, love on people, connect with people. Friends that I have today, people we minister to all over the world. So cool. So cool what God's doing in that when you think this is below me and yet God's doing something to take you higher. Hey! I didn't even, that wasn't even in my notes. I don't know, I threw that out there for somebody. I don't know who. But let me say it again. There's many willing to do the great things, but we just need a whole lot of us just to do the little things. And you know, I found that when you'll do a whole lot of little things and you'll serve somebody else's vision, it's amazing how your vision starts to unfold in the middle of that. It really works that way. Come on, stand up with me. Side by side, folks, really side by side. You know, the old principle is that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. And they say that's, that's life. That's a principle that that's just going to happen. You should yield to it. But I don't think the body is somehow, you know, a paraplegic or, you know, part of the body that just don't function. There's only 20% ever going to show up ever. I think the whole body should function. I think each part should do its work. I just do want to encourage you that in this journey, we're going to push a little harder. And even after that, I just want you to engage the wonderful privilege of what it is to be united with the people of God. All right? Bow your heads. I just want to appeal to anyone here. You may have wandered in, and I just want to talk to you. And this is kind of like an in-house message. It's kind of us talking family and all that stuff. But, but you know what? God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And God wants to bring you in a relationship with the body of Christ. He wants you to bring you in a relationship with himself. And he wants you to realize and, and, and fully actualize his purpose in your life. And, you know, that does happen, first of all, by being rightly aligned with him. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? Pastor, I hear you talking about your vision and all that, but this Jesus you talk about and the goodness he wants to do, I'd like to be in on that. I'd like to be a part of the family of God. 
Listen, if that's you and you don't know him, I want to invite you to receive him today because he accepts you. He totally accepts you, totally forgives you, and he's nuts about you, but he wants you to accept that and align yourself with that. So if that's you and you say, I'm in, I, I really, I want to be a part of the family of God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to go, I'm going to count to three. So, you know, right when to do it, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, then raise your hand up high so I can see it. Are you ready? Everybody's praying because we are serious about you being a part of this beautiful family of God. Here it is. You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up really high so we can all see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hand up really high, really high right now. Anyone else? Well, look, we're all going to pray. You put your hand up. I want you to pray, but we're all going to pray. We're all going to pray together. Here we go. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for reconciling me to my heavenly Father. I thank you that I am forgiven, that I am healed, and that I am free. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's beautiful. Somebody may tap you on the shoulder and just talk with you because we want to make sure that you just don't make a, you know, it's not just some little event or a, you know, you had a little experience, but we want you to fully know what it is to be a part of the family and unpack all that it means. Can I get those who are minister at the altar today? Can you come forward and help me out? Any elders or ministry team people, can you please come and help out? And if you're not on ministry team today, you do it some other day, can you join in too if you're a ministry team? If you're a ministry team for Saturday night and you don't usually do that, could you come too? But we just need some ministry people up front, all right? It's so awesome what happens at the altar and people get ministered to, prayed for. Healings take place, breakthroughs take place. And so if you need prayer today for anything, the altar is open for you to experience prayer, all right? So I want to pray for you and bless you. And don't forget, something's happening next Saturday. I'm trying to remember what it is. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a Saturday night service at Impact Church. I welcome you all to come. I mean, even if you can only come once in a blue moon and you really got stuff going on, I'm good with that. And just come and let's, let's do some fun things together. Look for our billboards. Look for the things out there. Invite other people to see them. Bring somebody with you to church. Bring somebody. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for Werner and Kristen and Wayne for the golf tournament we had yesterday. There were people who were brought there to experience us. There are people who are not in this community who were brought to experience the community. And thank you for them serving the body of Christ that way. Bless them, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful house. Thank you for all these lovely people that are my friends and are my family. And I thank you for each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, your greatest, richest blessing on each one. We together right now, we're going to pray all week about Saturday night. We pray for it right now. God bless Saturday night. May those flyers and those billboards be magnets for people who are in need, people who want to experience your grace. So, Father, we pray you bless it. We pray you accelerate it for your honor and your glory. So I bless each one now just to go and to minister your goodness and grace everywhere they are, every single day, glorified in and through them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day.